0: Hello, Anna. Hi. Anna. Today, my friends, I am talking to my Gurubai and sister Anastasia, who goes more easily by the name Anna, and she also is a resident of Ananda Village. And I'm going to ha- ask her to share with us how she became a disciple and who she was before she met Master. So, Anna, just tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how you came to be called Anastasia, among other things. <laughs> who, who were
1: Sorry, I missed that. It went out. What was the
0: last thing? Just who you were before you became a disciple. What was important to you? Why were you drawn to master? What was happening? Perfect.
1: Yeah. So I was actually born and raised in Seattle. Mm -hmm. and uh, both of my parents are now disciples in Kriyavans as well, Mm -hmm. although that wasn't when I was born. Mm -hmm. That happened probably when I was in high school, maybe. Mm -hmm. And so pretty much most of my life was in that area. Uh, We traveled a lot, though, to Russia in particular, so a lot of my upbringing involved seeing the total contrast between American life and a completely different way of living, um, often in poverty-stricken
0: areas. Um, Can I ask a question? Are your parents Russian immigrants?
1: They are not. So uh-huh. I truly believe that my mom has many Russian scars. maybe uh-huh. some recent Russian past lives. Uh-huh. From the time that she was really young, she was very drawn to Russian culture and specifically folklore. And um, she read, I think it was Dostoevsky, mm-hmm. when she was very young and, and decided she was, was wanted to be able to read it in the native language. So pursued language and history and thus began her life uh, really being enthralled with the culture. So I, as well as my two siblings are named after the Romanovs. <laughs> um, who are the, the last Tsar family, um, uh-huh. and grew up traveling there. And I speak probably intermediate Russian.
2: Uh-huh. My
1: sister is better than me, um, but so I often joke around and tell people that I'm faux Russian, not real <laughs> Russian. But people confuse me a lot and think I'm Russian. <laughs> so it's just my alter alter. <laughs> person.
0: <laughs> That's interesting. So anyway, so you grew up in Seattle, but your second culture without it really being your second culture. So you have two languages is Russian. yeah Yeah, and
1: in some ways, you know, I do see Russian as as my culture because I just grew up with so much of it. So it's very natural to me. Um but yeah, moving forward, I guess I you know, my mother was Catholic. She was raised Catholic and has always been very devotional and very Uh, connected with Jesus, Um, and she tried to bring our family into a spiritual, uh, you know, kind of tradition. Mm -hmm. So we started out going to Catholic school, but I think it was just a little bit, it was hard to keep it all aligned um, for her. So we kind of weren't necessarily that family that went to church uh, all the time, every single week, Um, ended up going into public school, I think in third grade. And so my mother continued to have a very strong spiritual life kind of on her own. Mm -hmm. But uh, when she found that maybe the rest of the family wasn't embracing it in the same way, she kind
0: of didn't try to push it on us. Mm -hmm. And so um, you remember, do you remember from your Catholic days or your church going days? Did Jesus make any impression on you? Did you have any feeling for Christ at that time? You know,
1: I don't, I don't think so. I think I didn't really understand it all. Um, For whatever reason, it didn't really connect with me, at least in that form. Um, I often remember feeling just a little uncomfortable, um, you know, in the church building, participating in the services. Um, You know, I did take First Communion and Mm -hmm all of that jazz, Um, Mm -hmm. but it just always, I always felt kind of stiff and not really myself Mm -hmm. in that environment. So, you know, and that was kind of my first and main exposure to spirituality. So I just didn't know that it was for me. I didn't harbor negative feelings towards it, Mm -hmm. Um, but I just wasn't drawn, at least in my younger years. So. Progressing past the third grade. <laughs> so progressing past the third grade. Yeah. So um, again, I, I kind of kept going through my life and spirituality wasn't a centerpiece in my life.
2: Mm-hmm. One
1: thing I will say is I was very much an achievement oriented child and mm-hmm. that continued through, you know, all of my schooling into college and into my career when I first graduated from college. Something that. For whatever reason really stuck out to me when I was little, my father told me, "Anna, I would like you to uh, you know get a good education and get a good job so that you can um, take care of yourself and not have to rely on someone else yeah. and For whatever reason, I really took that to heart and poured a lot of my energy into education into striving for uh, whatever thing I thought was really going to bring me happiness and kind of settle me into a life. Um, so I found myself, you know, graduating college.
0: I just want to ask, pause for a second. So did you, yeah. feel? did you enjoy the striving for excellence or was it like a pressure on you to do that? Was it a pleasure or a pressure?
1: Um, funny thing is both. <laughs> I found that I I did find fulfillment in being challenged and needing to put out a lot of effort and then being able to overcome whatever thing was put in front of me and doing it very well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think in some ways, you know, there's a, there's a cloud there. There's kind of an emptiness behind that, um, which I later started to discover
0: but but not so much in your youth in your youth you just took it for granted and just did it
1: yeah yeah i think uh i think that some of those so those things that i was involved in i must have just practiced that muscle in in past lives so it was just something that you know i knew how to do it i knew that when i was in you know, for example, with with school, if I was studying for a test, I knew that that moment that I felt really overwhelmed and like I wasn't going to get it was right before it was going to click. And I could feel that. And I had that recognition Mm -hmm. and I had repeated experiences of that, Mm -hmm. um, which did bring me fulfillment. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoyed achieving.
0: (laughs) I just want to ask how going to Russia periodically speaking Russian in in the impoverished Russian areas, how did that balance with your being an outstanding student in Seattle? Were they just like summer vacations or just different events?
1: Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I I don't know. I um yeah, Russia was a very unique experience because, you know, when we first started going to this tiny little village, it was a village where, you know, everybody grows their own food on their land. Every every family has their own milking cow. The cows go out to graze every single day. One person in the village takes them out to graze. Uh, For the most part, people used horses to get around. Over the years, people started to get cars. So it was just, I don't know. I think it just, it helped me have a realization and a recognition for the fact that what I was experiencing in the U.S. in my comfortable middle-class family was kind of a bubble and there's so many other lifestyles and so many other consciousness levels elsewhere in the world. So I think it gave me a broader sense of awareness, Mm -hmm. um, in understanding people that I came across. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I wouldn't say that I ever imagined that I would go there and live as a (laughs) grown-up. I could still imagine having relationships with people and maybe going to visit them, but that wasn't necessarily a life or an area that I wanted to choose to move into. So I'm not sure if I really answered your question. No,
0: no, that's exactly right. I mean, that was the question. It it, it played a part in your life, but it didn't define it. It was just an addition. But what defined you was that we're a great student and now we're getting to college. And what's going to happen to us when we get to college?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We got to college and I can continue to achieve. Uh Um, I graduated magna cum laude and Uh I actually had a job offer at the end of the summer prior to my last year of college. I was an intern at a company and by the end of the summer, they wanted to invite me back. Mm -hmm. and I started into a within that particular company it was a it was a fairly prestigious leadership development program Mm -hmm. um, where they kind of hold your hand and give you mentors and do a lot of training for the first two years of your career so for all intents and purposes I started my career kind of in a little bit of a rocket ship Mm -hmm. and um I knew how to kind of play the game. I knew who to reach out to as mentors and develop those relationships and was very much kind of on a path to continue rising the corporate ladder mm-hmm. and It was probably within the first three years, three to four years that um things were really shifting for me. I was recognizing that although I was in this space that um you know, in kind of maybe an Americanized version of life, I was, you know, in this success profile, doing well, earning way more money than I personally could spend. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was just looking around at, you know, my peers, people who were ahead of me in the corporate world who'd been there for decades. Um, And I was just really wondering, what is all this about? And Something seems to be missing. In fact, actually, I think I knew that in the beginning as well. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first started working and I realized that I only got like two weeks of vacation. That was kind of whoa, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my life is, you know, connected to working in this sense in this type of environment for the rest of my life. It, I just remember that being kind of a shock to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that because maybe not consciously at that moment, but I knew that that wasn't my calling and I knew that I wasn't meant to be there for very long.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I think over my time there, I, it the longing started to grow more and more and the questioning started to grow. Um, I would joke with some of my friends Probably, while I was going through this transition, and maybe just after, but I would say, "Oh yeah, I went through a quarter life crisis."
0: <laughs> it was
1: just I was
0: just questioning everything now, your parents by this time are disciples of master and creobond, yes, so did you did you think at that time that maybe what they were doing was your answer, you know, um
1: I think I hadn't gotten enough exposure to it to maybe uh, consider that, Mm -hmm. especially because my mom was really being drawn into the path when I was in high school, and then I subsequently left for college and was fairly independent. Um, I did live back home briefly Mm -hmm. after graduating, but I think in some ways also my mom was trying to respect my space and not push it on me, not expose me too much. I would occasionally go to, um, you know, in Seattle, they they sometimes will have fundraising dinners. Mm -hmm. So I I occasionally went to gatherings, but it didn't really
0: click for me yet. Mm -hmm. And um, in in many respects. Pardon me. So when you said so, when you were feeling uncomfortable in your corporate, was it, were you feeling uncomfortable just because it was going to take so much time or were you feeling uncomfortable because it didn't have meaning for you? the second one definitely because it didn't happen and i i think that i went through different
1: layers of that realization uh-huh. um you know first i was thinking well maybe work at a nonprofit, maybe take some time off and go travel and pursue something else and so i was it was kind of like there were so many choices that it was very confusing <laughs> mm-hmm. and ultimately I think what what ended up bringing me to the path this is kind of getting to the climax of the story is heartbreak. Oh. You know, what what really brings us to the path it's suffering, it's disappointment and um I went through several relationships, one of which was extremely significant and we were quasi engaged at one point. The other was much less significant, but I think you know having those real experiences of you know, potential love and it not working out and then questioning what is love and, you know, what is the meaning of life? I think that happening in connection with my other kind of fulfillment questions about essentially my dharma. I didn't know that term at the time, but Mm -hmm. what should I be doing with my life really kind of brought me to this point of having my heart open And really being willing to receive um, maybe what Master had been trying to deliver to me for a while, but I wasn't really noticing. Uh And, you know, that was a time I think I remember being at my parents' house because, you know, I still had a bed that I could go to if I ever needed to, Uh and kind of curling up into a ball (laughs) and crying. Um, And my mom very gently suggesting um well what if you just listen to this talk you know I I listen to this this person her name is Nayaswami Asha and I really enjoy listening to her she's very inspiring and I think that maybe you know if you just have some positive things flowing into you that might help and so that was kind of the little opening that allowed for things to start flowing through and um I started listening to you. I would just put on a little talk. Sometimes I would just put talks on um when I was falling asleep mm-hmm. and I was hoping that it was sinking in even when I went into subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> um but that piece of me just grew and grew and grew. And I started wanting more and seeking more stimulation and going to Sunday service with my parents and starting to forge relationships with local Sangha people like Zach and Haley on the farm. And, you know, things just started building. And,
0: yeah, the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> was it, were you frightened by the changes that were coming? Were you frightened by the possibility that your whole life plan was going to upend?
2: Um. Yes and no. I think it was inspiring and it it felt like something
1: that I could kind of latch on to that could give me strength and help me understand um, the world around me. Because honestly, when I started actually being open to the teachings and listening to them, it's just like everything clicked. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I didn't have to question anything, I just received it and it made sense to me. I will be honest, I there were times when um I was definitely freaked out. I was thinking about well actually here's the funny thing is uh I took Kriya in July of 2017. Mm-hmm. That that same exact month I was laid off from my job.
2: Oh really? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <That hurts. laughs> and it didn't really like totally click for me in the moment. Uh-huh that, oh, maybe I should devote myself to Ananda now because I'm free. Mm-hmm. But um, I was later reinvited to come back to the company in a different role. Mm-hmm. And, but by the time I stepped back into that, I was totally done. Mm-hmm. It was just, it wasn't me anymore. So I only lasted a little bit there, but all the while I was, I was planning my escape Mm -hmm. And I remember this because I was calling, I called you several times and I was crying. I was so confused because that was when I really felt like my feet were in two boats Mm -hmm. and the boats were trying to separate and I was going to fall. And I didn't have the confidence and didn't necessarily know what to do. Um, But I, I remember, you know, trying to meditate and just feeling and making that decision that I was going to step away. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I just felt a calmness. I didn't go. feel that freaked out, you know, being pulled by two boats feeling anymore. It just felt like a calmness. So I, I knew that that was the
0: direction. That's fantastic. So Let's just skip a little to the present. Now, you so when did you finally arrive at Ananda Village? Did you come directly from Seattle to Ananda Village?
1: No, I um I quit my job and like the next day was on a plane to Italy (laughs) and I spent about three months traveling, about half of that was with Assisi. I did some personal travel and then I went back and stayed on the Camino Island farm with Zach and Haley. Uh-huh. And after, I think, close to two months, maybe a month and a half from there, I came here. <laughs> and I didn't think that I was going to, you know, stay here. I was thinking, oh, I might try out a few of the communities and visit them. But then I just kind of came
2: here and it stuck. And I just haven't left.
0: So, And so what what are you, do you ever regret what you left behind? Do you ever long for what you left behind?
2: Generally, I would say no. I would say
1: that um, I do recognize within myself that I still have some of those, you know, versions of human security feelings, which I think I grew up striving for that idea. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that does come up sometimes and I get a little bit anxious Mm -hmm. or concerned, but it's all just about building faith and master, you know, and I've got so many mentors and so many people to help me through that. Mm -hmm. And that's really where I'm at now is I just, you know, I kind of took maybe that achievement mindset and in some ways I'm implying it to the spiritual path in the sense that, you know, I still want to grow. I still want to change. I still want to learn. So every time I come up with questions or concerns, that's just an opportunity to work
0: through it. What I that that was my next question, which is a person who's been all all in for really trying to to achieve. Do you find that Ananda the life you have now? Do you find an outlet for that kind of energy? Can you still be operating with that kind of intensity now?
2: Yes. <laughs> That's the <a> short answer.
1: <laughs> no, I mean I think the beautiful thing about Ananda is and you know I think this is talked about um in various ways but you know we're all a spiritual family, we've all got history together. We are all here to help each other grow and change and move closer to God and we get that through our relationships, through our interactions. I I feel like I'm constantly invited to continue to grow mm-hmm. and to continue to look at myself personally and, you know, question maybe preconceived notions about myself or about others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also in the service sense, I feel like I have ample opportunity to serve, to use maybe some of the skills that I still have from my former, you know, career life. And apply them here and help in our mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's maybe the longer version of just the quick yes.
0: <laughs> then there's one more nuance of that. You know, in a, in a career where you're where you actually are doing work and learning to do more work and gaining more work skills, is that part of yourself also? Is there can you grow? Can you grow in your skill set, not just in your personal? self but in your your effectiveness in work mm-hmm. in the work arena does Ananda provide that for you
1: I would say yes i think at uh at times i've kind of looked for that and sometimes it takes a little bit of my own personal initiative to find that but um i've definitely found ample opportunity to build my skill set to um You know, I think one difference from the corporate world is often in the corporate world, they help you specialize in like one little corner Mm -hmm. and you maybe get really, really deep into that. And, you know, there's a lot of specific training for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas here, in some ways, it feels a lot like a, a startup, startup energy constantly. You know, you're starting things from nothing. You're starting things fresh. So there's all these great ways to learn new skills, learn new ways of accomplishing things that we're trying to get done, which is really fun.
0: <laughs> that would be really fun. I mean, that's how, it's, it's nice for me to hear you say that because Ananda's been around now for so many years, but that's how it always seems to me is that it's always a new creative possibility. So what specifically do you spend your time doing now? What is your work there now?
1: Uh, it varies. <laughs> uh-huh. um, my I work formally under Latika Perugino, mm-hmm. who is i think her formal title or role is like the general manager
2: mm-hmm.
1: of ananda village and um so through that I think you know she oversees a lot of things that touch many little things, and mm-hmm. so I can find myself doing tons of varied projects mm-hmm. um helping with financial things, helping with analysis, helping with decisions for, you know, what we're going to do next with the Nanda village, with Mm -hmm. the Sangha. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see, you know, during COVID times, things are all different for everyone. (laughs) So part of my role involves delivering hot, fresh lunches to people at noon.
0: (laughs) So you're making overall financial decisions for the future of the community and then stopping to deliver a hot lunch to yeah, people. although
1: I'm not making the decisions, I'm just supporting <laughs> Got it, but
0: yeah, but it's real life in all directions yeah
1: yeah it's 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 spanning so many different things, which is really fun, <laughs> but here's another thing I've had to learn um how to. You know prioritize and focus my energy on things because it can draw me towards multitasking and kind of dispersing my energy. So uh, I've had that ability to kind of Build that muscle more so than I think I did in my
0: former life Uh Very good. So if you think about you know, you're you're in a very real sense the next generation of Ananda or a future you're, You're at the beginning of the life that you're going to live and their contribution to Master's work, how do you how do you see it unfolding? How how do you see yourself contributing? What, what do you see Ananda becoming in the course of the next twenty or thirty years, if possible, or even just tomorrow? You know, what what do you want it to be? What do you want to contribute?
2: Wow. Well,
1: like I we kind of alluded to a little earlier, I think one thing that Ananda does really well is having that kind of startup creative energy. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think also, you know, with the coronavirus stuff right now and needing to be separate from each other, it's just been amazing to see how quickly we've jumped into action and are able to reach people and serve in a new way, you know, virtually virtually, Everything we're doing is virtual right now. And I, I think that this is just the beginning, actually. We're going to be able to reach more and more people and in much more expanded ways as time goes by. I think technology will probably be a big piece of that. Mm-hmm. And I just hope I'll be there for the ride with all my friends and gurubys because mm-hmm. I think that we're all going to do it together. So we'll just be constantly learning new things. Which will be fun.
0: <laughs> well, that sounds perfect to me. Thank you very much for sharing that story. That's a very, it's a very happy story with a happy ending. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, Thanks for joining me. I'm very glad my yeah. mother you know, found you and brought you into the family in this way. All right, my dear. God Thank you. bless you. Jean.